Section 1 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 7, August 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carol Cotter, MerleTranslations.com. The Work of the National Geographic Society. The Character of the Society. The National Geographic Society is a scientific organization. In common with most other scientific bodies, it is occupied in both creating and diffusing knowledge. By reason of its activity in the diffusion of knowledge, it has become a popular society, especially in the national capital, where most of the addresses and technical papers prepared under its auspices are delivered. But the essential fact remains that it is a scientific society and that it is its function to create as well as to diffuse geographic knowledge. The Development of Geography Ancient geography was a description of continents and seas, nations and cities, races and tribes, and perhaps of animals and plants. In the beginning, the descriptions were oral, but with the invention of sketching, writing and mapping, a permanent geographic art was developed. Thus, ancient geography was chiefly the description of terrestrial things in words and pictures, and included the art of describing earth features with pen and brush and graver. In this stage, geographic features were assumed to be permanent and were described in terms of form and position. As time passed, men observed that tribes and peoples came and went, that cities were founded and sometimes abandoned, that nations arose and passed away, and thus history came to be and a time element was gradually introduced into geography. Still later, it was observed that rivers are diverted, lakes filled up and islands submerged through natural agencies, it was also found that many shorelines are shifting, that some lands are rising and others sinking, that all continents are wasting through the action of rain and rivers, and that the waste of the land is carried into the seas. Thus geology grew up, and a time element was introduced even into that part of geography which deals with the more persistent earth forms. In this stage, geographic features were assumed to be changeable and they were described not only in terms of form and position but in terms of stage or sequence this may be called transitional or medieval geography though it comes down to the present in the books and many geographers and some geographic societies have not yet risen above its plane modern students of earth forms have observed that rivers cut their own valleys in definite ways and at definite rates depending on known conditions and that eventually the running waters carve the land into hill and dale mountain and plain in a definite way albeit varying with altitude structure and other conditions with recognition of the agencies and conditions of geographic change geographic history became definite and it was found impossible to interpret the record of ages of continent growth from the geographic features great and small displayed by the continent in this way a new science was developed sometimes it is called the new geography sometimes the new geology sometimes geomorphology or geomorphy it matters little what the science is called but it is important to remember that through recognition of causes and conditions geography was raised to the plane of science this is modern geography and in this stage geographic features are regarded as definite products of known agency and thus are definite records of determinate history and description in terms of form and position is but a means to a nobler end the reading of world history from geographic features 
so three epochs in geographic development may be recognized and their importance is none the less because some of their factors overlap for the overlapping of factors was one of the characteristics of development the first was the ancient or empiric epoch the second was the transitional or scholastic epoch the third is the modern or scientific epoch in its first epoch geography was a meagre body of description of features and a crude art of describing in the second epoch it became a richer body of description of stages as well as features and the art of describing was improved and in so far as it has entered into the third epoch it has become a science of the earth in which the chaos of geographic features and historical stages is reduced to order while the body of description is enriched in quantity and even more in quality and the art of describing is greatly improved so in modern geography each district the continent even the entire world is considered not simply as an assemblage of features but as an expression of tangible forces and conditions a record of the past and an index to the future and thus the dead features are imbued with living interest briefly stated the ancient geography was static the modern geography is essentially dynamic with the transformation of geography from art to science its method changed in the ancient and transitional epochs when description was the end and aim of geographic work men sought unknown lands and waters and through their zeal and courage the earth was explored save for small areas in the americas asia africa and australia and for larger but more forbidding areas in the arctic and especially in the antarctic modern geographers in like manner seek the unknown but their eyes are fixed on agencies and conditions or on causes and effects rather than on material features and their aim is the complete reading of terrestrial history rather than the complete mapping of the terrestrial surface so while the methods blend much as the stages overlap it is just to say that the early method of geographic work was exploration and that the modern method is research the future of geography the transformation of geography began with the introduction of history and culminated with the incorporation of the principles of geology much was taken also from biology chiefly through the doctrine of evolution which afforded a rational view of successional relations but less was obtained from anthropology despite the fact that this branch of knowledge was the original contributor of history the poverty of anthropology as a donor of geographic knowledge is due partly to the fact that history was fettered by scholasticism almost from the beginning partly to the fact that students hesitated long before applying the principles of evolution to human beings and institutions accordingly human geography is still in the transitional stage so far at least as most of the geographers and geographic institutions of the world are concerned it is indeed recognized that tribes and people come and go that cities are founded and sometimes abandoned that nations arise and pass away and the statistician records the facts as the early geographer described forms and positions while the historian records the successive stages as the medieval geographer noted stages in the wandering of an overloaded river but the description be it formal or historical is description merely and too rarely reaches the plane of science the one thing needful in modern geography is suggested by the advance made through the new geology it is definite recognition of the causes and conditions by which human progress is shaped when this fundamental principle is grasped 
dead statistics and musty history will be vivified just as the dead earth forms have been imbued with living interest and human geography will rise to the plane of science now the first requisite for improvement is a recognition of need and the common need of geography and anthropology is so keenly felt by a number of students as to suggest the future and it may clearly be foreseen that future students will extend and apply our ever-increasing knowledge of cause and effect to human progress statistics and history recorded in monuments and letters paintings and gravings furnish the requisite data of form and position and succession and may be moulded into attractive form but nothing less than the definite recognition of the forces by which the successive stages grew will infuse the breath of life into this body of knowledge so it may be predicted that the geography of the future will be devoted primarily to research concerning the forces of the earth including those affecting peoples and institutions as well as those shaping landforms and moulding faunas and floras and that industries arts commerce laws governments religions even civilization itself will eventually fall within the domain of definitely organized science and become incorporated in geography the prediction is easy and safe because the geography of the present is already on the higher plane with respect to the inorganic part of its object matter is well advanced towards this plane with respect to the evolution of organisms and looks up to the same plane with respect to the courses and causes of human organization the fulfillment of the prediction will be simply the consummation of present progress the purposes and methods of the society it is the purpose of the national geographic society to increase and diffuse geographic knowledge growing out of research as well as exploration the more tangible instrumentalities employed are one technical meetings two popular addresses and three a monthly magazine the technical meetings are devoted to the presentation and discussion of the results of geographic research the announcement of discoveries made through research or exploration the discussion of methods for exploration survey research record etc these meetings are somewhat informal gatherings of a body of working geographers bound together by common interest in geographic progress each contributes either under a set title or in extempore discussion to the common stock of knowledge each is fresh from field or laboratory and his ideas are developed by personal contact with the phenomena and forces of the earth collectively these active geographers form a hive of busy workers constantly engaged in extending and improving the science of the earth and their researches are stimulated by the encouragement and association found in the society the communications are illustrated as required by maps sketches stereopticon views objects apparatus etc the meetings are open to members and guests of the society but the participants are chiefly geographic workers and teachers the working geographers who maintain the technical meetings are for the most part officers of the scientific bureaus and of the army and navy of the federal government and in no other centre in the world are there so many working geographers occupied in so extensive a field other contributors come from the universities and colleges and the normal and high schools of the national capital and neighbouring cities and still others are distinguished teachers explorers or investigators in geography from other parts of the country and from foreign lands 
So far as the official surveys and other geographic operations of the federal government are concerned, the National Geographic Society is a scientific clearinghouse in which the coin of knowledge and the securities of science are exchanged and distributed to mutual benefit. The popular meetings are devoted to a. Addresses by distinguished geographers on topics of current interest, suggested either by research or exploration, and b. Series of lectures on important phases of geographic science by distinguished investigators or teachers. The popular lecturers are usually leading exponents of geographic thought in this and other countries. The addresses are illustrated usually by stereopticon views sometimes by maps and sketches or objects in addition. The attendance at the popular meetings commonly ranges from 500 to 1,500 and comprises working geographers and teachers, as well as intelligent laypeople, and includes a considerable sprinkling of youth, mainly students in universities and schools. In choosing popular speakers on current topics, preference is given either to actual explorers or original investigators who are known to treat geography as a branch of science, and such speakers arrange and present their matter freely, save that the excessive use of picture and anecdote is discouraged. The object is to instruct as well as entertain. Still greater care is given to the selection of lecturers for the organized courses. The first requisite is that each speaker shall be a recognized authority. The second is that the treatment shall be scientific, that superficial description and pictorial illustration shall be subordinate to the exposition of relations and principles. The lecture courses of the last two years exemplify the methods of the society. Nominally, they were descriptions and illustrations of transcontinental tours. The descriptions were presented by careful students of the several areas described, and the illustrations were the finest lantern slides obtainable, showing noted scenic features. Yet the essential characteristic of the lectures was the interpretation of the geographic features in terms of agency and history in such a manner that each gave a picture of geographic development, while the course yielded a living panorama of world-making. When Niagara was depicted in sun and word picture, it was not simply as one of the world's wonders, but as a potent geographic agency and eloquent record of continental growth. To this character, the success of the lecture courses must be ascribed. Other lecturers describe mountains and canyons and picturesque coasts as scenic features with indifferent success. As measured by the interest developed, the society's lecturers described mountain, glacier, plain, river, coast, and city as marking stages in a grand procession of events, and opened vistas through the ages with gratifying success as measured by the display of interest. Thus, the popular addresses are not designed primarily for entertainment, for the display of eloquence, or the revelation of pictorial art, or for minute accounts of geographic features. They are designed for diffusing interest and definite knowledge concerning geographic science. The National Geographic magazine is a medium of communication between geographers within and without the society, and its aim is to convey new information, and at the same time to reflect current opinion on geographic matters. In the selection of articles, books for review, subjects of notes, etc., preference is given first to original records of personal work in exploration and research, and next to systematic writings tending to organize, and thereby to advance and improve, geographic knowledge. 
some of the most efficient instrumentalities employed by the society in promoting geographic knowledge are more or less intangible through a large and widely scattered corresponding membership interest in modern geography is diffused throughout the country through the public high and normal school teachers especially in the district of columbia and maryland who are affiliated with the society a steadily increasing influence is exerted on elementary geographic education all the leading american universities are represented in the society and through them its influence on more advanced education is large and constantly increasing all the leading state and federal surveys geographic and geologic are also represented and in this way the surveys are brought into closer harmony their interests are promoted their efficiency is increased and the people are benefited in this and other ways the national geographic society strives to contribute to the scientific progress and thus to the material welfare of all parts of the country and there is evidence that its efforts are far from unsuccessful end of section one